You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Didn't you coach Burt Reynolds? Yes, I did. Was he any good? He was a defensive back. I know. Was he any good? I said. 103.9 FM LI News Radio presents The Weekend Crunch with Errol Marks and Speedy Petey. Hello, Long Island, New York, and around the country. This is The Weekend Crunch. I'm your host, Errol Marks, and my co-host, Speedy Petey. Remember, you can listen to our show every single Saturday from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. New York Eastern Time only on 103.9, the LI News Radio Network, brought to you by New York Sports Team Magazine and the World Wide Sports Radio Network. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, from our hiatus as uh, me and Speedy for the first time, and I would say three years had a vacation. We didn't do any shows for a week. No weekend crunch, no sports loudmouths. Actually filled ourselves up with some gas, and we're ready to go. Speedy, how was your vacation? It was a lot of fun, a lot of great sites in Maine, definitely a lot of seafood involved. We did some deep sea fishing, whale watching, and a lot of hiking. Uh, Acadia had some of the greatest, most spectacular views that I've ever seen. It was really fun. We went to a lot of different spots. We went back in 2013, and we only really did Bar Harbor. Now we, went, we hit like five different spots. It was a blast. Yes, and me and my uh, girlfriend, my significant other, uh, went to Florida to see her father. She hasn't seen him in three years because she had to go to nursing school. Mm. She graduated just recently, so she wanted to celebrate, so she wanted to go see her father. We checked out all different parts of Florida. We went to Tampa, Clearwater, St. Petersburg. It was beautiful. I don't like the heat. I, I'm not a big fan of Florida. Everything is just so slow over there. It's crazy. I mean, even the drivers. You think they're bad over here. Just go over there to Florida. I think they have like six lanes on the highway. <laughs> I, I mean, it's ridiculous. But uh, we had a great time and uh, happy to be back here. I mean, New York weather is like... I think today was like 78, 80 degrees. We're going to get some rain over the weekend, so I'm actually happy that uh, <laughs> I'm back into a decent weather state. I, I guess. I used to like everybody who lives in Arizona. They, they all love rain because they rarely get it. <laughs> oh, it's it, the humidity. That's what killed me over there in Florida. It wasn't really the weather. I was It was about 90 to 95 degrees every single day. But it, here's the crazy thing about Florida. It always rains every day. It will have a little sun shower, and then the sun will be out. And and they would say every day it's supposed to rain, and then we'd have a little sun shower, and it would be beautiful. Anyways, uh, we got a great show lined up for you guys, as we will be talking to, again, uh, Dynasty Nerds writer and podcaster Garrett Price. Uh, he will be joining us a little bit later in the show. He's fantastic, knows a lot about football. He can give you the ins and the outs of fantasy sports, but uh, we're going to get into the whole uh, Aaron Donald contract, the Cooper Cup extension. Uh, we'll go around the league, the Deshaun Watson debacle. Uh, we'll talk to him about that, his thoughts, and, and we'll go through uh, the league and where he sees the league to be this year in 2022 with the young quarterbacks uh, with their second year, uh, the Justin Fields of the world, the Zach Wilsons, and obviously the Trevor Lawrences. So, uh, and obviously Trey Lance, too, who everybody thinks the surprise is MVP, MVP which the NFL Network is just out of their damn minds. <laughs> if they think that Trey Lance is going to be an MVP candidate, and they're trying to compare him to a Patrick Mahomes, because Patrick Mahomes, if you remember, he played behind Alex Smith for a year, played like the last couple of games, filled in the last couple of games, and then 
he he just light the NFL on fire the year after, after Alex Smith was traded or let go. So uh, it, it's going to be an interesting new season and a lot of great teams, and I definitely want to hear what Garrett has to say about football. So we'll get into football with him. Uh, we'll get into the NHL playoffs. As we know, the Avalanche is going to be moving on to the Stanley Cup Finals. Not surprising, uh, but not after some major injuries. So that'll be interesting moving forward for the Colorado Avalanche. And the New York Rangers and Tampa Bay Lightning as game number six tonight, Speedy. Could the Rangers stay alive and bring it back to Madison Square Garden? Uh, unfortunately, uh, some bad things happened at Madison Square Garden after the game as yeah. a, a fan gets knocked out. A uh, Lightning fan gets knocked out by a Ranger fan. So we'll get into a little bit about uh, about that in just a few moments. I'll tell you a couple of stories of my experiences at Madison Square Garden and why the NHL needs to figure out how to protect the fans and securitize and I say that does, that's not even a word security needs to protect the fans that are attending these events so we'll get into that uh, we'll get into the Celtics and the Golden State Warriors finals as uh, it is tied 2-2 two to two. Uh, it's been a very close series uh, Steph Curry has been hot and on fire not surprising uh Mr. Three-Point uh, Shimmy Man. Um, Wes's boy. Yes, Wes's boy. So I'm glad. And he actually texted me the other night <laughs> telling me, oh, there's the shimmy. I said, are you kidding me? Could you stop with this shimmy stuff? But uh, we'll get into the Golden State Warriors and Celtics series. Uh, we'll get into the Mets woes with injuries and, and how we think it's not going to affect them moving forward as uh, Max Scherzer looks like he's on his way back. So is Jacob DeGrom. So Met fans should be very excited about that as they are going to be at full strength soon. Marte could be out for about a week, maybe a week and a half, and he'll be back too. He's been very big for the New York Mets, hitting over 300 and and stealing bases at the clip. So we'll get into the Mets as well. Uh, We will also get into the Yankees as the Yankees are just hot, hot, hot even though Garrett Cole didn't look so hot the other day, giving up five home runs in a game. But we'll get into Garrett Cole as well and and where we see Garrett Cole's mental brain action uh, as far as moving forward this season, especially in the playoffs where we saw what happened against the Red Sox last year in the playoffs. So we'll get into the Yankees. Uh, What else, Speedy? What what else should we get into uh, today? Uh, I... I think that's pretty. You pretty much nailed everything. Yeah. And then we got uh, then we got moneyline mania. Moneyline. Well. That's right. I, I forgot about that. Moneyline mania. If you guys are betting and uh, betting fans, or you you like to bet on DraftKings or whatever you bet on, uh, you have to listen to this segment as uh, Wes, Chaz, and the crew. These guys are the best handicappers in the country. They will be joining us a little bit later in the show. Very excited about that. And obviously, Speedy. Crunch time. Crunch time. I'm just dragged with the Florida. I'm burnt, okay? Burnt out. I got, I got Literally and metaphorically. Yes. I, by the way, I got a tan, too, so that's a good sign. I, we didn't go to the beach. Well, we went to Clearwater, but I, I didn't get to lay on a beach. I'm not a beach fan. Happy to be back here. So why don't we get into the Rangers? And, and I, I will say this. If you're a Ranger fan right now, you can't be upset where they are in the Eastern Conference Finals. Nobody thought the New York Rangers would be in the Eastern Conference Finals playing for Lord Stanley's Cup. Some people probably didn't think they were going to make the playoffs this year. Bringing in a new GM in Drury, bringing in a new coach in Gerard Gallant, and with a team that has a lot of youngsters. This is one of the youngest teams in the NHL. They're still the youngest team in the NHL playoffs as we speak today. You look at the talent that they had, the Lafaniers, 
the Kakos, the Keatles of the world, and arguably one of the best young players in the NHL in Adam Fox. A goaltender like Igor Shosturkin, who has been fantastic ever since the Carolina series. And I don't mean to be hurtful to the Ranger fans if you think that he had a great series against Pittsburgh, because he didn't. But a first-year goalie in the playoffs, it's not too shabby to go and take your team to the Eastern Conference Finals against the two-time NHL champion. You look at this team as a whole, the Rangers, and you think, wow, this team has so much good young talent that this team is going to be here every single year. And you know, Speedy, as I know, when you get into the playoffs, there's no guarantees. When you get into the playoffs, there's nothing telling you that you're going to be there next year. So when you're a Ranger fan, you sit here today and you're saying, well, we're going to be knocked out. You have to stay confident because you don't know when you're going to be back in the Stanley Cup playoffs. You don't know when you're going to be back in the Eastern Conference Finals. And you don't know that this team will be together as one once again another year. There are a lot of takeaways for the Rangers getting this far. Win or lose tonight and win or lose in this series is three things. One, they are very battle-tested. They were comfortably winning in Game 7 against the Carolina Hurricanes. They are comfortable coming back from many two-goal deficits that they've had to overcome in the playoffs. The 3-1 comeback against the Penguins. Yes, backup goalie, still young team. That's a big takeaway. Number two, the instant impact that a lot of these trade deadline acquisitions have had for the young players, the kid line has been the best line so far in the playoffs, but also the instant impact they've had for some of the veteran presence that they, it doesn't usually happen this quickly overnight. And that's a big thing for the Rangers. A lot of the times we've seen in the, their history, trade deadline acquisitions not work right away. Keith Yandel really struggled once he came to the Rangers. Rick Nash, well, he was a free agent, but he, he struggled there. Eric Stahl was a big-time bust with the Rangers. But a lot of these guys they brought over are big contributors right away. And number three, the young players have played the best so far, both forwards and def- defensemen in the playoffs. And that's a good sign for the future of this Rangers team. Again, whether they come out of this series, we'll see. Hopefully they come back, but down 3-2 to two going to Tampa will be hard, but good takeaways. Not, the, way that, the way they lost has been painful in this series, but it's not like they're getting blown out either, and that's a great sign for a young team. Anybody that knows me knows I'm not a Ranger fan. Yep. <laughs> Anybody and their mother knows that I do not root on the New York Rangers. But after game number two, being up 2 nothing against the Lightning, I thought the Rangers had the Lightning's number. They've played so well all season long against this Tampa Bay Lightning team. And even though Point has not played in this series, who's been one of their best players for the last two seasons and one of their best playoff players, I have been very impressed with this Ranger team. And if there's any team that can come back in this series, being that they were up 2-0 and then give a team a 3-2 lead going at home in Tampa Bay, It would be the New York Rangers. I'll give you my points why I think they could win tonight against the Tampa Bay Lightning in Tampa Bay. One, they have a goaltender that can shut a top offensive team down in Igor Shosturkin. Number two, they have one of the elite young defensemen in the NHL, Adam Fox. And number three, I believe Tampa looks like the older team. I think the Rangers have more speed than the Tampa Bay Lightning. I think the Rangers need to figure out who they are against this Lightning team in Tampa. They have not discovered themselves since game number one. 
Game number one, where they played against Vasilovsky, who's been fantastic ever since game number two. He's been a shutdown goalie, and we all knew this was going to happen. That wasn't the same Vasilovsky that we saw in game number one and game number two. And he's gotten better and better in this series as it's prolonged. But I believe the Rangers, if any team could figure out how to put the puck behind a goaltender, it is this team. When you look at guys like Panarin, who really has not shown up in this playoff, and I don't care what any Ranger fan says, I don't care if he has one or two goals in this series. It doesn't matter. This man is making almost $12 million a year. He's one of the highest paid players in all of hockey. You need to show up in big games. You cannot not show up in a game where your team is expecting you to put the puck in the net. And you have guys like Zabitajad who hasn't had a good series. I'm sorry he hasn't. And a guy like Chris Kreider who had 50 semi goals this year was one of the best goal scorers in the NHL. All season long. He hasn't played well in this series. These guys, these veterans have to show up in this game if they plan to move on to Game 7. Everybody, including me, have been taking shots at Igor Shosturkin. And I, I will say this. I can't say anything bad about this kid. Those two goals that he gave up in Game number 5, it wasn't his fault. He was screened. The Rangers haven't been the tougher team. Why isn't Reeves playing in the third period, being that he is the tough man on this team? you got to put a scare in this Tampa Bay Lightning team early in game number six if you plan to surprise everybody and take this to a game seven. Well, Reeves didn't play in game five because they put in Kevin Rooney because Ryan Strom was going to be Ryan Strom was going to be in and out because of his injury and Goodrow didn't play at all. So they needed a little more center depth. And yeah, it turned out to be a mistake because Ryan Strom decided to miss an open net, which would have given the Rangers the lead late. Yeah, nice going, Ryan Strom. I don't know. I know a lot of Ranger fans are like trying to point fingers on on why the refs. It was the referees. (laughs) All right. A lot of fans are like trying to point that it was the refs' fault that the NHL doesn't want the Rangers to win. Uh, Justin Bieber, it, it has uh, you know a concert Monday, uh, and, and it's going to affect the Ranger game. By the way, Justin Bieber just came out that he has a sickness, and he's going to be out for three weeks. He actually made an announcement, so it's not going to make any difference what happens in game number six. If, they, if the Rangers win in game six, there won't be a Justin Bieber concert. They will be able to play in game number seven. And I want to say this. I think it's despicable absolutely despicable what happened after game number five. And it was posted all over social media, almost 3 million views to it. How could a Ranger fan, okay? And this is why I don't go to Madison Square Garden. I've had my own problems in Madison Square Garden over the years going to Ranger and Islander games. As everybody knows, I'm an Islander fan. The despicable thing that this 29-year-old Staten Island kid did to a Lightning fan because he was cheering at the end of the game that his team won. His head wasn't even up. He was walking to the exit. And this Staten Island kid, I don't, I don't want to mention his name, turns around and sucker punched this guy in the side of his face and knocked him dead out. The NHL needs to figure out, and the Rangers need to figure out, why wasn't there security because of these actions that we have seen happen plenty of time, not just in Madison Square Garden, around the country. These fans who pay a lot of money to go to these games, hundreds of thousands of dollars, the cheapest ticket to go see a Ranger game was like $400. And they're paying good money to go to Madison Square Garden, not to get knocked out. And for a fan to get sucker punched like that, 
And by the way, that kid's his life is over. He's got six counts of felony. Assault. Horrible what happened to this guy. And he knocked out a witness, too. The Rangers are going to have to deal with possibly being sued. Lock the kid up and throw out the key. This kid should not be out there. He is a psychopath. Nobody does that. Nobody puts somebody at risk, especially when they're cheering for their team. This is sports. Sports is supposed to be enjoyable. Win or lose. You're supposed to not be a sore loser. You teach your children not to be a sore loser. The Rangers don't pay your bills. The Rangers didn't pay you to go and watch them play. And I'm not saying you shouldn't be angry that your team lost. But to knock out a fan of another team because your team lost and you were upset and he was cheering, that's despicable. And the NHL needs to figure this out. The Rangers need to figure this out because these teams, these multi-billion dollar organizations need to protect the fans because they're the ones that are paying their salaries. James Dolan, time to up your security. Absolutely horrible. That probably stood out more than the Ranger game. Nobody even cares about what happened in game number five after that happened. If he wants his superstardom to be that he knocked out a Lightning fan and he's going to go to jail for a significant amount of time, boy, oh boy, you deserve nothing but the best of our jail or our court system because you don't belong out and about. You do not belong free because you are a psychopath, just a nut job. When we come back, we will get into some baseball as the New York Mets, Pete Alonzo, Marte, Jacob DeGrom, and Max Scherzer having bullpen sessions. That's a good sign for the New York Mets and the red-hot New York Yankees. By the way, Brian Cashman still has a job, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) When we come back, we'll get into both New York teams and what is going on in the MLB here on the Weekend Crunch. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Weekend Crunch. I'm your host, Daryl Marks, my co-host, Speedy Petey. Remember, you can listen to our show every single Saturday from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. New York Eastern Time only on 103.9, the LI News Radio Network, brought to you by New York Sports Team Magazine and the World Wide Sports Radio Network. Download the World Wide Sports Radio app by going to iOS, WWSRN, or Android World Wide Sports Radio Network. As hot as Florida has been, there's a very, very hot team in New York right now. And that would be the New York Yankees. I was the one that told all the fans not to give up on Aaron Boone. Not to give up on Brian Cashman. And now, Yankee fans should be looking at the New York Yankees and saying that this team not only could be a World Series champion, could be one of the greatest teams in Major League history. They're on a record pace right now. The last time the Yankees were 41-17 this time of year was in 1998. Do you remember that, Speedy? No, I was three years old. That was when the Yankees won over 110 games. And the Yankees have a chance this year to win over 110 games. Everybody remembers what San Francisco did last year. I don't know how many wins they have. The Yankees have looked better than that hot San Francisco team did, especially in the second half. Now, we don't know what the Yankees are going to do moving forward with the injuries that they could have. They've stayed pretty healthy this year. It's it's crazy. Aaron Mm -hmm. Hicks is still healthy. Aaron Judge is on a record pace. He could be the first player to hit over 61 home runs, as we know, with the steroid situation. Shout out to Roger Maris Jr., who has spoken out on Aaron Judge, saying that if anybody should break it, if anybody, he would want breaking it. It would be Aaron Judge. And if Aaron Judge hits over 61 home runs, he would probably be the first non-steroid abuser 
to break Roger Maris's record. That is an unbelievable feat. And right now, Aaron Judge is looking for a big-time $300 million contract. Now, I don't know if the Yankees are going to be willing to give him that. There have been stories coming out that Aaron Judge might be thinking about moving home. Grew up a San Francisco fan. Aaron Judge is having a fantastic year. He is by far right now the MVP of the American League. It's not even an argument. And anybody that's trying to put Mike Trout or anybody in that vicinity of what Aaron Judge has done, you guys don't know what you're watching. But the Yankees... I've had successful pitching week in and week out. Nestor Cortez has been one of the hottest pitchers in baseball, even though his last appearance, he gave up a few runs. The Twins are a very good home run hitting team. The Yankees, besides these two last games of giving up the runs, they have given up. They gave up eight with Nestor Cortez. And then Garrett Cole, the great Garrett Cole, who the last three games before this one, he's given up no runs, had a real big dud and gave up five home runs, back-to-back-to-back home runs against the Twins. But the Yankees still pull off a win. 10 to 7. There's something about this Yankee team that I haven't seen in a very long time. And the last time I saw a Yankee team play the way they have, especially not losing multiple games in a row, I don't even remember the last time the Yankees lost three games in a row this season. The Yankees have looked like the 2000 Yankees when they won the World Series against the New York Mets. And that 98 Yankees team was just dominant. Now, I don't know if this team is as good as that 98 Yankee team, and this pitching staff definitely isn't. But what we have seen with this team is they've stayed healthy. Aaron Boone has kept this bullpen really hot, very healthy. And this rotation has not been a dud rotation like everybody thought it was going to be. This bullpen has been the best in baseball. This rotation is the best rotation in baseball and is going on a record pace. Right now, if the season were to end, the Yankees, this rotation would have the best ERA in MLB history. They would have the best whip in MLB history. That's how good this pitching staff has been. And everybody had their what-ifs with Luis Savarino and their what-ifs after what we saw with Garrett Cole putting up a dud in the wild-card game against the Boston Red Sox last year in Boston. Or the what-if with Nestor Cortez after coming in in the second half and starting for the New York Yankees, pitching the way he has. Tyone, who has been the best pitcher, even though Cortez has had ERA that leads the MLB right now and a whip that leads the MLB right now. The guy that's been sensational is Tyone, who's 6-1 right now. 2.73. ERA. He has been the best overall pitcher for the New York Yankees and almost pitched a perfect game. Thank you to the Pittsburgh Pirates <laughs> for lending us all these great, fantastic players. It's benefiting New York Yankees. And by the way, all those Yankee fans that wanted to get rid of Brian Cashman, the league has passed him by. Brian Cashman didn't make those big savvy moves like the Mets did with Marte and the Max Scherzer of the world. No, what he did was he brought in young players from his farm system, filled them in in the bullpen, added a piece here, added a piece there, and look what this team has become. Two side notes before I get to the actual Yankees. The back-to-back-to-back home runs was an interesting one because it was R.I.S. Buxton and Correa for the Twins. So it was ABC back-to-back-to-back home runs. There you go. And also, Brian Cashman knows how to strategize against the two teams that are easiest to fleece in the Pirates and the Rockies. But yes, Aaron Judge definitely MVP this year on pace for a 60-home run season, which is unheard of in today's baseball. I think Ryan Howard was the last one to do it in 2007. Yeah, Aaron Judge had it close to his rookie year. He got over 50. Pete Alonso, his rookie year, over 50. 
50, but beyond that, it's hard to get to that point, especially somebody with the durability issues that Judge has had, and he stayed healthy all season, which is a great sign for the Yankees, and done well at, at managing the ones that are normally injury-prone, and that's a good sign. Anthony Rizzo has been healthy, 57 games. John Carlos Sand just got hurt recently, but before that, was staying healthy, and he's had a great year. And the Yankees are doing more than just hitting home runs, too. They're getting on base. They're getting much better at bats. They're still striking out a lot, but still much more quality at bats. You definitely see a big difference in the offense as a whole from changing hitting coaches last year. But the starting rotation, yes, record-setting when you're saying Garrett Cole has the highest ERA in that rotation. That's when you know your rotation's good. 1.96 for Cortez. You mentioned Tyone. Montgomery, 3.02. And Severino, 2.8. Tyone and Montgomery, not heavy strikeout guys, but all the other ones have over 70 strikeouts, too, which is a phenomenal start. Yes, and, and the Yankees lead the league in strikeouts as well. The Yankees have lead the league on home runs, strikeouts, wins, less losses. They're, right now, they're the hottest team in baseball. And yes, Aaron Boone still has a job. All those people that wanted to get rid of him. <laughs> and by the way, if Aaron Boone wins 100 games this year, he will be the first manager in Major League history in his first five years to have three 100-win seasons. And that, ladies and gentlemen, are the Yankee fans trying to throw away. Get rid of Aaron Boone and hire Buck Showalter. I'm not saying Buck isn't great for the New York Mets, but boy, oh boy, Aaron Boone is right now the best manager in baseball. I'm not saying it's not because of the team, but you look at the team right now. Did anybody think the Yankees were going to be here this year? They thought they were going to be a top American League team, but did anybody think that the Yankees at this point would have the best record in baseball with that bullpen, which didn't look good last year, and that rotation where on paper, besides Garrett Cole, there was no sure thing. That has to do with managing. That would be Aaron Boone. As far as the New York Mets are concerned, a couple of major injuries, but not severe, thank God. Pete Alonso gets hurt, gets hit with a pitch. A lot of people thought he had a broken finger. He was bending on the bench. He gets his MRI, came up negative. For bad luck for the New York Mets over the years, that's a great sign for the organization. And then Marte uh, with his hamstring. A lot of people thought it was significant. That's a good sign. He could be back in a week and a half. And Max Scherzer pitches a bullpen session. Looked really, really good. I believe that he's probably a week and a half, two weeks away. And Jacob deGrom is throwing the ball which means he's not far away. And a lot of people thought he was going to be back sometime in June. I expect the third week of June, we'll see Jacob deGrom in that rotation. Jacob deGrom and Max Scherzer, that's what everybody was looking forward to seeing this year back-to-back. Two of the more talented pitchers in baseball. I would say one and two in all of baseball. The Mets have them. We're a couple of weeks away of seeing that rotation at full form and maybe take a little pressure off of Bassett, who hasn't looked good the last couple of weeks Mm -hmm. because it's him. That's a lot of pressure on him. So that's a good sign for the Mets, Speedy. If you're a Mets fan, you're definitely looking forward to the end of June. And the one thing that we were looking forward to the Mets is how they would weather the storm. And that's been a problem in years past where if they had a bunch of injuries all at once, they either overcompensated by rushing other guys back or would just mentally crumble and had a split against the Dodgers. They lost two out of three against the Padres, but still have played well the rest of the time. They're beating the teams they need to beat. They're winning in division. And in terms of the injury management, Pete Alonso, I'm not worried about because he is a guy that's been durable throughout his career. Marte, they got to be a little more cautious with, I think, because he's an older player. A hamstring injury for a guy that is relying on his speed. You were talking about the stolen bases. Now, he hasn't played a lot of center field in comparison to previous years. That's been mostly Brandon Nimmo, and then Mark Canna's done some, too. So they don't have to really worry about that. They can keep him in right field, and they can even take him out if they're down in games if they feel like they could use some offense in other spots, because the Mets have a lot of offensive depth. In terms of the pitchers, Max Scherzer, I trust he'll be fine. Managed injuries, throwing 
about his own career very well, just himself and his national stint and the Dodgers and DeGrom. He'll be back for the first time in almost a year when he comes back, so the Mets have to definitely be cautious with that, but so far, so good weathering the storm. Pete Alonso played last night, and he had five at-bats and had one hit, and Brandon Nimmo has been absolutely hot for the New York yep. Mets, and McGill came back last night as well. They're getting healthy at the right time. They're one of the hottest teams in baseball right now. They're 39-21. and 21. They have the second best record in the National League. It's a great story. When was the last time we saw the Mets and the Yankees on the top of their divisions? The Yankees have always been a dominant team. The Mets, they have a good year here, and then they have a bad year, two, mm-hmm. two, three years, and then they play well again, and then they have a bad three years. Right now, since Steve Cohen has taken over this team, it was a one bad dud year, obviously, because Francisco Lindor maybe was the pressure, and some of the other players that they brought in, they just couldn't get it done last year. But boy, oh boy, this year is just a completely different Met team. They've been fantastic. They've been fun to watch. They have a bunch of good young players on this team. Pete Alonso, Brandon Nimmo, still a fairly young team. Francisco Lindor, even Jeff McNeil's had a sensational year and Jeff McNeil might be a trading piece for the New York Mets because he has been a a 300 hitter this year a natural 300 hitter throughout his career except last year he had a really bad year last year yeah I think Luis Rojas really ruined him he did well even before that with Callaway as manager and now with Buck Showalter I think Rojas just tried to have him do too much pulling the ball I think Jeff McNeil is in a very good position to be a top end hitter in baseball again Mark Canna has been sensational too who's been a very important hitter for the Mets in that lineup last night had two hits and three RBIs again. He's been sensational. I think he leads the Mets in multi-hit games this year. It's crazy. With the Oakland Athletics last year, he had a great first half of the season and fell off the second half of the season, maybe because of injury. The Mets bring him in and he's been a great acquisition for the New York Mets. And Steve Cohen, say whatever you want about him. He opened up his pockets in the offseason and has worked for the New York Mets. So, if you're a Mets fan right now and you're sitting here today looking at their record 39-21, and 21, if you're a Yankee fan right now and 42-17 and 17 beating the Cubs last night as well, you should be very excited. By the way, Clint Frazier said some very interesting things about the New York Yankees. Clint Frazier, while the Yankees were going into this series against the Cubs, designated for assignment. Clint Frazier, who had a lot to say about the New York Yankees, and then obviously he signed with the Cubs this offseason. For him to open his mouth and then get let go practically by the Cubs before this series just shows you the type of person that he is. Maybe Clint needs to keep his mouth shut, not speak, and let his bat do the talking because his bat has done nothing but the sort. So I don't know why he keeps talking. Nobody cares what Clint Frazier has to say. Clint Frazier is not even on a baseball team right now. And for him to come out and take shots at the outfield of the New York Yankees right now, which, by the way, is hitting on all cylinders. Joey Gallo's hitting. Darren Judge is one of the best hitters in baseball. Giancarlo Stanton's hitting. Aaron Hicks is hitting. I don't know what you got to say about the outfield of this New York Yankee team, which, by the way, the Yankees would have no room for you anyway. So for you to open your mouth and say the things that you say, why don't you just coast on and go somewhere else? When we come back, ladies and gentlemen, we'll get into some NBA conversation. Steph Curry has made this a series. As he ties the series last night against the Boston Celtics, the hot Boston Celtic team, the defensive Boston Celtic team, when they had the lead with three and a half minutes left of the game, and they coughed up the lead just like the Golden State Warriors gave up the lead in game number one. We'll get into the Golden State Warriors and Celtics NBA Finals Series when we come back here on the Weekend Crunch. Yeah! Lean back. Lean back. Come on. Yeah. Lean back. Lean back. Come on. Yeah. We 
are back, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Weekend Crunch. I'm your host, Daryl Marks, my co-host, Speedy Petey. Remember, Killers Don't Show every single Saturday from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. New York Eastern Time only on 103.9, the LI News Radio Network, brought to you by New York Sports Scene Magazine in the World Wide Sports Radio Network. Download the World Wide Sports Radio app by going to iOS, WWSRN, or Android, World Wide Sports Radio Network. You can check out all our shows during the week, the Ryan Hickey Show, the Sports Loudmouths, Wake and Bay coming back soon, the Wise Guys. So our shows are up and gunning. So definitely tune in to our shows and check out our app. Before we get into our Wake and Bay team, Moneyline Mania, I want to get into the NBA playoffs. And what we have seen in this series is a Boston Celtic team that has been a dominant force defensively. A team that's dominated in the paint all series long. And I know it's only four games in, but we have seen the dominance of what defense can do to a great offense. And Steph Curry really has been the only offensive option that that Golden State Warriors has been using. Now, Wiggins has played very well defensively and has given them some points, and he played very well last night. But to me, the chance of Draymond Green and Draymond Green getting taken out in the fourth quarter yesterday because he's been a liability in the fourth quarter, it really stands out to me on what Steve Kerr is trying to do. Now, obviously, the Boston Celtic team is a very young team. They're a much faster team. And to a Golden State Warriors team that has been the younger team throughout the years, and who would have thought that they would be the older team in this series? This Boston Celtic team has been hitting every single three-point shot that they can get, doing everything they can to stop Steph Curry. By the way, the Defensive Player of the Year has been fantastic against Steph Curry. Even when Steph Curry scored 43 points the other day, he played very well defensively. They keep Steph Curry on the perimeter. The only way Steph Curry is going to beat you is at the three-point line. Clay Thompson, he'd have a good offensive game and a bad offensive game. And Poole has not really been in this series. I don't know what's going on with him, but it has a lot to do with the Boston defense. They've been sensational. So you sit here today 2-2. Everybody keeps saying that Golden State could be up 3-1. Golden State has not looked good in this series. The better team has been the Boston Celtics. And if Steph Curry wants to shimmy and do the things that he does and he wants to show off to the fans, and that's great for Steph. He better damn well show that this team is capable to knock off this Boston Celtic team because to me, what I've seen with this Boston Celtics team is there is no drama in that locker room as Clay Thompson and Draymond Green love to bring after they want to talk to the press with the fans booing them. and They love to bring drama to center stage as we remember what they did with LeBron James. You can't spell Draymond without drama. So The Celtic team is a quiet team. They're charged by their coach who has been fantastic in his first season as an NBA head coach. A GM who's never been a GM before in Brad Stevens has put this team center stage in the NBA as a place that you would want to play. And if you're the New York Knicks or the Brooklyn Nets right now, this Boston Celtic team is going to be on top of the Eastern Conference for many, many years to come with their youth, with a Tatum, with a Brown, with a Williams, with any of these youngsters that they have on this team. They've been sensational. And for anybody to sit back and say that Boston has not been sensational throughout the playoffs, knocking off Milwaukee, knocking off the Heat, knocking off the Nets, this is one of the greatest, this is one of the greatest runs we've ever seen an NBA team do 
throughout the playoffs. The Celtics will be thanking the Brooklyn Nets for all those first-round picks over the years, too, and for their new head coach, which is the first-year first head coach to make the finals in who knows how long. But nevertheless, the Warriors, going back to them, finally showed up in the fourth quarter. That was the big bugaboo for them the first three games. They're historically good in the third quarter. Third quarter Warriors. Steph Curry, you were talking about, had the 43 points, and he made a lot of contested shots in, this, in that game. Marcus Smart, He was the only one. Marcus Smart defended him well at certain points during the fourth quarter, even when the Celtics were up. Steph Curry was still making those tough shots to make sure they didn't go on runs. And they just needed some other guys to contribute. And it really hasn't been that way from a consistency factor. Jordan Poole was the best player for the first half of the postseason. And all of a sudden... He's fallen off. Andrew Wiggins yesterday, 43 minutes. He was the second best player on this team. Mm -hmm. 17 points, 16 rebounds, 2 assists. After that, you have Otto Porter play 14 minutes, 2 points. Draymond Green, 33 minutes, (laughs) 2 points. Klay Thompson, 41 minutes, 18 points. Looney... 28 minutes, 6 points. Jordan Poole, 21 points, 14 points. Gary Payton Jr., 10 minutes, 5 points. That's not getting it done. If Steph Curry is averaging half your points every single game and you come out a winner, that just tells you that this team has not been at the top of their game as an offensive team because there's no reason why Klay Thompson, Jordan Poole, Andrew Wiggins, 17 and 16 is not a bad yeah. game. Andrew Wiggins has been sensational throughout this playoffs and the best defensive player on this team. So yeah. I'm going to take Andrew Wiggins out. Those two players need to show up. And Draymond Green, shut your (laughs) mouth. Why are you talking? Stop. Even at the end of the game, talking about that we're back in this series. We are back in this series? You mean Steph is back in this series. This is not the Golden State Warriors. This is the Curry Warriors because it's been Steph Curry and everybody else. Yep, and a lot of the reasons of Draymond Green coming out of the game were also big parts of the fourth quarter, too. Kevon Looney played very well rebounding in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Otto Porter played well at certain points rebounding in that game. And Draymond Green, yeah, nowhere to be found. So a lot of your teammates had to carry the load for that one, Draymond. But yeah, if they can even get a little bit out of pool, like we saw in the beginning of the playoffs, and definitely. What? What is going on with that kid? Yeah, I, 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 ever since the middle of that Dallas series, he has not been the same player. I know at 21 points, when you look at his minutes, he had 21 points and 14 points. Yeah, he played better. That's not bad. I mean, that's 14 points in 21 minutes. That's pretty good. Yeah. It, but it, it's he's not that guy that you, right. you can expect to give you 28 points. And Clay Thompson, he has been a shell of himself. He's the fourth option at this point. He's been a shell of himself. Yep. And they gave him a lot of money, man. Uh-huh. They paid him a lot of money, and he's missed two seasons with the Achilles and then a torn ACL. I mean, he has not been good. And, and, and I'll tell you this right now. Boston should be up 3-1. to one. I, I think they should have won yesterday. I, I think they, were, they had the lead going into the fourth quarter. They looked like the better team. Jalen Brown, Tatum, they all look good. Tatum, I know you're going to say, well, Tatum, Tatum didn't have such a great game. 43 minutes, 23 points, 11 rebounds, 6 assists. He almost had a triple-double. Yeah. And then Jalen Brown, and by the way, played shutdown defense. And Jalen Brown, 40, po- 40 minutes, 21 points, 6 rebounds, and 2 assists. And, and, and if you're getting 18 points from Marcus Smart, you're going to probably win those games. Probably going to win those games. The fact that they did not win this game was because Steph Curry had one of those right. all-time great games that complete, he couldn't miss a shot in the fourth quarter. He mm-hmm. was just on. Un- Unbelievable. In the last three minutes of that game, it was Steph Curry 
and everybody else. Yeah, the Celtics didn't have that like unbelievable type performance from either one of their stars, and that just ended up being the difference. It wasn't necessarily a bad game planning thing. It just was Steph Curry just making tough shots that you're going to see rarely other people make. So the the Celtics, I don't think, did anything notably wrong. Just, again, out, finally got out-rebounded for the first time, but Golden State really had to address that because the Celtics were just dominating them on the glass with Robert Williams and Al Horford the way they've been doing all finals long. But not putting Draymond Green on the court seems to be a much better thing to get rebounds and actually play defense and not get rattled by the Celtics fans crowd that were shouting oh God, swear please, words at them. Please. Yeah, uh, okay, Draymond, uh, you're the one that... How about uh, the Boston Boston fans? I'm so sick and tired of Boston people making fun of the New York fans and attacking the New York fans. How about the Boston fans? We've had so many analysts on our show tell us how rude and disgusting the Boston fans are. To hear some of the Boston fans that listen to the sports loudmouths have the nerve to say that New York fans are garbage. I agree with the Boston fans. Draymond Green's an ass. Nobody likes Draymond Green. To do the things and say the things that you're saying on national TV, and you can hear what they're saying. It's despicable. Be professional. If you're a Boston fan and you're going to attack the New York fan, you got to look at yourself in the mirror. The Boston fans need to learn how to have more class. I understand. You see what the Yankees did against the Cleveland Indians? You want to say that they shouldn't be throwing things? Or the Yankees throwing baseballs at ex-Boston Red Sox players? Fine. Whatever it is. No class. You want to say New Yorkers don't have class? But how about the Boston fans? We all know what happened last year. One of the Boston fans throwing it at Kyrie Irving. Had to go to court. And then doing the things on the sidelines to some of the players Mm -hmm. where you don't see over here in New York. So I'm tired of hearing Boston fans say that Boston fans are not as disgusting as New York fans. Nobody likes Draymond Green. Nobody (laughs) likes Klay Thompson. We understand that. But have some class. Draymond, you also created a target to yourself, too. For all the things you've said, too, and a dirty play over the playoffs so far and in this series, the fouls that they've committed. Like, it's one thing if the Celtics fans were doing swear words to Steph Curry just because he scored 43 points in Game 4. Like, that would be uncalled for. Draymond, you created a target, and you're the biggest trash talker on this Golden State Warriors team. You're not swearing on the he court? He is the trash talker. Yeah. The trash talker of the NBA. Yeah. Klay Thompson's not creating a target. Steph Curry's not creating a target. You're creating a target. They have every right to do that. I'm not saying racist or derogatory things to you. It's heckling. It's booing. Yeah, they're swear words. You're creating a target. When we come back, ladies and gentlemen, Moneyline Mania with Chaz and the crew. We are back. They are back here on the Weekend Crunch. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Weekend Crunch. I'm your host, Aaron Marks, my co-host, the Speedster, Speedy PD. Remember, kill us on our show every single Saturday from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. New York Eastern Time only on 103.9, the LI News Radio Network, brought to you by New York Sports Team Magazine and the World Wide Sports Radio Network. Listen to all our shows throughout the week on our app by going to iOS, WWSRN, or Android World Wide Sports Radio Network. Speedy, what is this segment brought to you by? Sports Betting Weekly and Wake and Bake. This segment is brought to you by Sports Betting Weekly and Wake and Bake, as they will be returning. Turning on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network very soon. We call this segment Money Line Mania. This is Money Line Mania with Jazz and the crew. Our boys are back, ladies and gentlemen, as we are back from our week vacation. I've got some tan, I've got some color, Speedy's got some fish. Our boys, Moneyline Mania, Chaz and the crew. Chaz, what's going on, buddy? Well, we missed you, but you do definitely look 
Tanner, and, but I don't smell any fish. Do you smell any fish, Hector? I don't smell anything. Well, well, you got a cat, though. You might smell fish in your house. Yeah, he's right you got here. A cat. I mean, smell a vision, baby. It's I mean, a new thing. Hector's in San Diego with you, buddy. We're on the other side of the country. We're in New York. Well, you're where it's happening today because today was the Belmont. I was supposed to go to the Belmont. I never received my invitation, so their loss. I've been to the Belmont. Well, you know they cut back because of the arena. Yeah, I heard about it. And unfortunately, it just didn't. You didn't make the top 50. No, unfortunately. <laughs> I might be the prettiest, but I'm definitely not the smartest, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Anyways, we haven't spoken in a week. I'm very happy to have you guys on, Hector, Chaz. Hopefully, we'll have Wes on next week to join us because he loves. He'll be bragging about the Warriors. <laughs> he loves to brag about the Golden State Warriors as he's doing in the shimmy he made sure that he sent me the the shimmy dance from steph curry yesterday after they pulled off that win a crazy well comeback it, win. he's bet him so he's got him in the futures he's got some good money on him at good odds but the thing is boston just you could not give that game away you had to take that game and they didn't take mm-hmm. it now i think west has got a winner i i could see Golden State win it two. They got to win two at home, and I think they can do it. It evens up for the first game, Chess, because Golden State should have won that first game too. So. Right? No. And anytime you lose the home advantage, your only goal in life is to get it Hold back. Hold on, boys. That. You said the Golden State should have won Game One. Well, okay. They were up by fourteen in uh, the third quarter. Uh, all right, the Celtics. Yeah, and West texted the group chat, and, chats. and, the Cel- and then they all downhill from there. And the Celtics should have won Game Four. It evens out. It's two-two. It's fair and square. Now, Golden State. I, I'm so sick and tired of hearing the Golden State. Warriors fans say that it should be 3-0 or 3-1. No, it shouldn't have. You lost in game number one. So stop crying about it. You practically got a layup by the Celtics giving you a chance to come back in that game. And that has a lot to do with Steph Curry. Steph Curry was sensational in that game. I can't say anything bad. I'm not a big Steph Curry fan, but you can't say anything bad about him scoring 43 points in a game that almost got away from the Golden State Warriors early in the third quarter. So... Yep. And then how about the Rangers? I thought for sure they were in great position, and then they gave that game up. I think what the Rangers are is they're a young team. They're the youngest team still in the playoffs, and they have a bunch of first-timers in the playoffs. Sturkin, this is his first time playing in a big game, in a big series. This is the first time Adam Fox, one of the best young defensemen in the NHL, is playing in a big series. You have your veteran players that haven't shown up. Panarin, who's been here before. Zabinijab, that has been here before. Kreider, who's been here before. None of these guys are showing up in this series, but but they're still only down by one. If they could come out a winner against Tampa Bay and Tampa tonight, I think that the Rangers could go home and surprise the world and take this team to the Stanley Cup Finals, even though I'm not a Ranger fan. So say whatever you want. I think they're the faster team. They're the younger team. They need to show up in Tampa. Drop the hammer on this Tampa Bay Lightning team. No doubt about it. So let's cash some tickets, shall we? Now, Hector, you've been on a little bit of a roll with the plays you've been giving us on Moneyline Mania. However, are you at all excited for the World Cup coming up? Because I think there's another couple games that are qualifiers, and those teams probably aren't going to make it to the knockout round. But are you there yet, or will it take you to the end of the summer? Two days before the World Cup actually happened, by coincidence. But yeah, that's my thing, man. Every four years. As you guys know, I'm an L3 fan, even though I can't stand most of the fans there. They got to get with the times now. I'm excited. It sucks that Ukraine couldn't make it. They lost on an own goal to Wales, and Wales is going to be in the same group as the U.S. and England and stuff and Iran. So, yeah, that would have been a great feel-good story considering what's going on in the news today. But, yeah, I'm all for the World Cup, man. I'm ready to go and later this year. Would you say, Errol, that in your career, and you've had a great radio career, have you talked much World Cup? Yeah, Actually, I've gotten a chance. Obviously, it doesn't happen that often. I mean, I was talking Errol. Yeah. <laughs> oh, me? Oh. You're 
a soccer play-by-play guy. I know you follow it. I'm actually possibly going to the World Cup this year. I have a friend that goes to every single World Cup, him and his boys. So they're going over there. It's a third world country, so I've never been there before. But also, I watch the World Cup every single four years. It's really one of the big soccer tournaments that I look forward to every four years. It's like the Olympics of the World Cup. It's something that you look forward to, even though the United States is never a team that you're expecting to go to the semifinals or the quarterfinals, never come out of their round robin. But this year with the division that they're in, besides probably England, they can absolutely compete and come out of that division if they show up and they play the way they should play. But again, the U.S., they always have good goalkeeping. Their defense never plays well in these tournaments. They can't score goals. They need to figure a way how to score goals. They have two really good players that play over there in the English Premier League. So hopefully we see a USA team actually show up in this uh, World Cup. I have an idea that I think would take the USA men's team and bring them up a notch. But I'm getting pushback whenever I bring it up. And it's simply to take the girls and put mustaches on them. <laughs> Would that work? The girls are good. They're finally getting paid even money now. I was just about yeah. to say that. It's good that they're finally getting that. I wanted to bring that up because I really am. I, I, I've never been more excited about a World Cup, mostly because... The pandemic allowed me to learn so much more about soccer because we had nothing else to cover. And I've, and I've just learned to, to really appreciate soccer now for the USA fans, sports fans that don't get soccer. You got to watch it from an ATS point of view. When you watch something against the spread, it's a totally different game. You're not bored in a soccer game when you got .5 as your total and you only need one goal. Everything's exciting. Like you said, Hector, you get own goals, you get penalties. Uh, that and, and I love the flops. I really do because those flops give me extra time at the end. And I've won some bets where there was like five extra minutes added and it's 96 on the clock and they're still playing and they score a goal which technically is a minute after the game should have ended so soccer from a betting standpoint the reason why it's 10 times the super bowl is is it's so exciting wes couldn't make it as you know wes is a very busy man but he did give us uh, a winner in every single we've won every single cfl game this year every single game this year I gotta start betting. Two. I'm gonna start. But they betting. were both dogs, and he won them both. And he likes tonight, ten o'clock Eastern. So that'll be right after this, right? He likes BC. He's got the quarterback from BC. is an ex Ohio State guy. He likes the Buckeyes. But of course, and so that is Wes's uh, call. He texted in that play. BC minus four. I am gonna start betting on CFL with Wes. I'm gonna reach out to Wes and I say, Wes, give me your winners. I'm gonna start betting some money on the C because he. The, I hear that he, this guy is like. CFL, he never loses. So, Well, three years ago, we started talking about it during the summer because, don't get me wrong, I know Major League Baseball is the pastime and all, but boring. Baseball's boring. And Canadian football, is it's so different because of the rules, but it's still football. Speaking of baseball, leave it to my Mets to wake up your Padres' bats, Chas. <laughs> yeah, the Padres are actually, we're going to get to that uh, on my play. So let's start with Hector. Uh, Hector, a couple plays for this weekend, or what do you got? Yeah, same same start time, 10 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, San Diego Loyal, they're going to be playing at home against Hartford Athletic, and they're going to get their goalkeeper back from Season 1, John Kempen, who played for DC United recently, and everybody's excited to see him back. Uh, I think San Diego Loyal, they, they just tied with New York, actually. The Red Bulls 
2-2 uh, after being 2 to nothing down. I think they're going to continue with that passion that they played in the second half. And I think they're going to pull out the win 2-1 to one against Hartford Athletic. Then my second game, I got Las Vegas Slice versus Orange County, the defending champions of USO Championship. And uh, Orange County is not having a good season this year. I think they got this championship hangover that happens to all teams, not a lot of teams, actually. And Las Vegas Lights is going to be playing at home. That's always a tough place to play. Really strong home field advantage for them, even though they're not doing good this season. But they always play well at home. And I think this one's going to be close. But I think Las Vegas Lights is going to pull it out at the end because Orange County, they, they're not just a, they're not the same team as last year. They, they have a lot of injuries. They had a lot of players move on. Some of them to MLS, and uh, they're just—I don't think they're going to repeat this year. And on my final play, uh, the third whoa, one. Whoa, is gonna, whoa, whoa, yeah. whoa, whoa, whoa! You always give us a score. I'm sitting here writing it down. <laughs> well, I give you two to one for San Diego Loyal. I'm going to go low scoring on this one. I'll go one to nothing. Las Vegas Lights. I'll probably take the under on that one for sure. They're always like defensive struggles with Las Vegas at their place, and it's—it's going to be really hot. Even though it's going to be a late night game, it's going to be hot as hell over there in the desert. So, and the third and final play, I got Phoenix Rising against El Paso Locomotive. These two teams have a rivalry going against each other, going back years in the USL Championship. Phoenix Rising is going to be playing at home. They're not having a really good season either. They're really inconsistent. They're right there with San Diego Loyal in the middle of the table, fighting for third and fourth spot into the playoffs. The top seven teams make the playoffs. So I think Phoenix Rising is going to get the show together at home. I think they're going to show the fans that what they used to see last couple of years when they've had those incredible runs, undefeated streaks. And I think Phoenix Rising is going to put out at the end, and I don't think it's going to be close. I think they won this one three to one. When you give us the scores, for me, that's so important. When I've done well in sports betting, I try to imagine what I think the score is going to be. And whatever reason you come up with what you think the score is going to be, it's more important for live action because then you have an idea. So Phoenix Rising is a good example of that last game you mentioned. It's 0-0 in the 60th or 70th minute. I'm going to make sure and hop on it. I might actually go with Phoenix Rising one and a half goals because, as you know, once those legs get tired in soccer, you can get bang, bang, bang goals. Oh, yeah. So those are my picks. One of the things that... I noticed the last time we had Hector on is you got to bounce around your books to find the action for these leagues Mm -hmm. because some of the books don't carry them. We're dealing with the same thing with the CFL that I mentioned with Blackhawk West. Some books don't have it. Some books have it, but just the game. Every West play this weekend is cashed in the first half, and if you can't bet it, you can't cash it. So that's important to look around, but you want to, if you get an opportunity to bet Hector's soccer plays, you you bet Hector's soccer plays. It's just really that simple. Mm -hmm. Going into the NHL playoffs with Tampa Bay and the Rangers, I believe that this game is going to be a Rangers win. So if you're going to bet on something, I think the Rangers will come back and win this game and take this to a Game 7. I also think, watching last game, the Rangers had problems putting the puck in the net. I think that this particular game, I think the Rangers are going to get three goals in this game. I think they're going to outscore the Tampa Bay Lightning. That's the only way they're going to win tonight. I think Adam Fox will have at least one point in this game. I think Kucherov will have a point in this game as well. I think this game will probably be a 3-2, 4-2 win by the New York Rangers. I think it'll be more goal scoring. The Rangers the last three games have had problems scoring goals, but I think tonight the Rangers are going to score first. They're going to have to score first with the crowd as loud as they're going to be, but I think going into tonight's game, I think the Rangers are going to pull off the win. I think they're going to surprise a lot of people and take this back for game seven. Yeah, that would surprise a lot of people. What I know do you Tampa's, think? I think, minus 200. A lot of people think they're the favorites. They're going to win four games in a row and eliminate the New York Rangers. Everybody thought it was because of the Justin Bieber concert on Monday, which would be a Game 7 for the New York Rangers. So what they're trying to do is say, hey, you know what? The league is going to make the Rangers lose because 
There's a Justin Bieber concert. But by the way, Justin Bieber announced yesterday that he has some kind of paralysis. He has to cancel his tour for at least four weeks. So there won't be any Justin Bieber concert. So I'm going to say that's telling to you that there will be a Game 7. Colorado shouldn't mind a Game 7. They know they're resting and watching all the Oh, exactly. We talked about that, though, right here on this show a few weeks back when we had the NHL Futures. And one of the things we talked about is how well the Rangers were playing. But the fact that Tampa Bay was just... Just getting disrespected as back-to-back reigning champions, mm-hmm. and they were 12-1 to when we talked about them. I also think that Tampa just didn't find their legs until the third game, and, and finally when they f- they found their legs, and Vasilovsky played a lot better in Game 3, Game 4, and Game 5, and you see the difference. This guy is a top-end goaltender. Uh, going into this series, it was the battle of the goalie, Shosturkin, who was the uh, hard Hart nominee and probably going to be goalie of the year, Venzina Trophy winner this year. And, and Vasilovsky, who's been the top goaltender in the NHL for the last six years. Uh, so you have two Russian goalies facing against one another. They know each other very, very well. And, and, and you've seen it. It's been the battle of the goalies. And I think Vasilovsky has played a little bit better than Shishterkin. And that's why Tampa is up 3-2 to two in this series. I'm not surprised Tampa came back. This is a championship team. This is still not the same Tampa Bay team that we saw against the Islanders the last two years. That was a better team. This is a newer team. This is a more, I would say, younger team. I, I, even though that doesn't say much because they're not a younger team. They've got a lot of veterans on this team, but they've got a bunch of younger players on this team. And and, and Braden Point has been their best player throughout the season besides Kucherov. And he is not he hasn't played since, really since round one. So uh, did he play round one at the speed? I yeah, he did. Oh, he did play round one. He got, he got hurt. hurt. He got hurt at, in the game seven against the Leafs. Yeah, so he... He's been out since round one, so they haven't had their best player, and they're still up 3-2, to two, and that tell, that's telling to you how good Tampa Bay is as far as depth is concerned offensively. When it's three in a row, it's just unheard of, right? Well, in the playoffs, I mean, except if you're the Colorado Avalanche and they eliminate the Edmonton Oilers in four games, but that nobody thought Edmonton should have been there. Nobody should have thought Edmonton was going to knock off the Calgary Flames. I think that... That if Calgary made it to the the Western Conference Finals, I think it would have been a better series and more fun to watch. But I don't know. I guess Calgary's goaltender, who was one of the best goalies in the NHL, just decided not to show up in that series. Yep. So. Right, that- so let's get back to your vacation week. You both had a great week, it sounded like. Mm-hmm. But what happened is I lost the ability last week to remind people that my Sunday baseball plays on the show before that were 8-0. And 8-0 and and is a pretty good day. 8-0 is a pretty good day. Pretty, de- pretty so good or that really was good? me patting myself on the back. Mm-hmm. No pressure. Okay, so, All right, so let's look at some Sunday it. baseball. 10 o'clock your time tomorrow. Pittsburgh and Atlanta. Mm-hmm. I'm taking Atlanta. The reason I'm taking Atlanta is because since June 3rd, Pittsburgh has not scored more than three runs. Atlanta is just playing really, really good uh Baseball. I, I would be surprised if by the end of the summer that Mets lead over Atlanta shrinks a little bit because the Mets played so well to start. It's going to be hard to maintain that. Now, since June 2nd, remember Pittsburgh is June 3rd. They, they haven't scored more than three runs. Since June 2nd, Atlanta's allowed two or less in six of seven. And then again, if you only give up two runs in a baseball game, you're probably going to win unless you're playing the Yankees. Um, so, but normally I would add a team total under, right? That makes sense. If you got one team that's scoring, one team that ain't scoring. The problem is Wright's pitching for Atlanta. He has allowed uh, runs in his last four home games. So we're going to just stick with the money line media play. 
we always love that play because it allows, as long as the team wins, you make money if they win by more than one and a half or in the first five innings, a half a run. Then you cash both tickets. Uh, Later on, actually, that's five minutes later, but Toronto at Detroit. So we got a, a team that's 10 games over 500 playing a team that's 10 games under 500. These are both two good pitchers. But in this last 14 innings, Stripling has allowed three earned runs. So three earned runs in 14 innings is is pretty good pitching, guys. I'm taking betting that the same way. But I am adding a Detroit team total underplay to that. And then uh, you mentioned the, the Padres. Yeah, they did. They Their bats woke up against the Mets. I've got them playing Colorado Sunday night, 4-10 here, so that's 7-10 there. And I, I really think they're going to they're gonna score runs. They've scored 4-plus in 8 of 8. So I like them. I'm giving the runs. But I'm also going to throw in a little bitty-bitty San Diego Padre and over parlay. Because I, I got to think Colorado's bats will open up a little. I know that uh, Snell's pitching for the Padres, and he's, he's not had a great year, but the Padres are playing. Well, I mean, the Padres are a game behind the Dodgers, right? Hector and the Dodgers are paying like a billion dollars in tax, payroll tax. Yeah, but, you know, the Padres always have, like last year, last couple of years, they always start off well, but they never finish strong. I'm still taking the Dodgers to win this division. They're like five games up in the wild card, and they'll get knocked out in the first round. But that's, it's still a good summer. I think that the Dodgers are definitely going to win that division. The Dodgers are the best team in the National League. Even with the Mets, as good as they are when Max Scherzer comes back and Jacob deGrom comes back, they're going to be really hard to beat, too. But I think when you look at the big picture with the Dodgers, the Dodgers have the, probably the most depth out of any team in all of baseball. As far as the pitching staff, their rotation, their lineup, they spent a lot of money on that lineup. But you bring Freeman in in the middle of that lineup. Even Mookie Betts, who has had a fairly great season, we haven't seen the best of Mookie Betts. I think the Dodgers are going to be the team to beat in the National League. And in the American League, I think the Yankees, if they keep it up the way they are, but here's the thing. The Red Sox are starting to win. If the season were to end at a last wild card, that would mean that the Yankees, Tampa, the Blue Jays, and the Red Sox would make the playoffs. And before the season started, I said, I wouldn't be surprised if four out of the five American League East teams make it to the playoffs. That's how dominant the American League East is, and that's how much better the American League East is to any of the divisions in the American League. So I think watching the Yankees, the Yankees, even though the Yankees right now are just playing great baseball, the Yankees won like 14 games in a row in the second half of the season and came back and they made the playoffs when everybody thought they were done. So I don't think it's over for any of those teams in that division. The Red Sox could still win that division. The Blue Jays could still win that division. And even the Tampa Bay Rays can win that division, even with some of the moves they made in the offseason. So also with the Yankees going into this series against the Cubs, I think the Yankees are going to sweep the Cubs. I think Clint Frazier didn't do anything well for the Cubs, especially speaking out on the Yankees outfield and the Yankees team as a whole. Clint Frazier is now gone. He's no longer a Cub. I think the Cubs are going to be gone too after this weekend because I think the Yankees are going to shut them down. I think the Yankees are playing good baseball. We'll see if they can keep it up and we'll see what Brian Cashman does moving forward at the trade deadline. It is June. It's crazy. It's June 11th. We're going on our second week of June. Before you know, June's over and then we're into July and the All-Star game and then obviously the trade deadline. I expect Brian Cashman, the Mets, the Dodgers, all these playoff teams to make moves to put their team in contention. Hector, thank you for joining us. We'll see you next week, man. Take it easy, guys. Chaz, so those are all your picks, huh? Well, yeah. Again, two weeks ago, I had 8-0. Good day at the Belmont. Life's good, and I'm happy. Oh, yeah. Who do you got winning in the Belmont? It was Barbara Road.
Oh, Barber Road. Want a lot of money. There you go. <laughs> if you don't believe, you shouldn't bet. <laughs> Chaz, thank you for joining us, bud. Always be cashing, guys. Chaz, a.k.a. Mr. Moneyline Mania, and Hector joined us. They're fantastic. Great bunch of guys. They're handicappers that don't really lose. CFL, if you're a CFL better, well, you have to listen to Wes. He knows what he's talking about. As you heard, Chaz was 8-0 last week in, in his picks for baseball. And Hector's been dead on, too, with his soccer European football picks, too. So definitely keep tuning into this segment. It's always a great segment. And always keep your ears open and your checkbook open as well. So when we come back, we will be talking to Dynasty Nerds writer and podcaster Garrett Price here on The Weekend Crunch. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. As you know, this is another show of The Weekend Crunch. I'm your host, Errol Mark, my co-host, Speedy PD. Remember, you can listen to our show every single Saturday from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. New York Eastern Time only. On 103.9, the LI News Radio Network, brought to you by New York Sports Team Magazine and the World Wide Sports Radio Network. Download the World Wide Sports Radio app by going to iOS, WWSRN, or Android World Wide Sports Radio Network. We had this guy on a couple of months ago, and we have him on again. We're very happy to have him. We are now talking to Dynasty Nerds writer and podcaster, Garrett Price. What's going on, Garrett? I have no idea what I walked into, <laughs> but I can guarantee it's going to be an entertaining show. I can, I can tell you that. It's already been. How are you? man we haven't spoken to you in a while i'm doing well you know me i, I love myself some football and we are in probably the most dead period of, of nfl football that we'll have for the entire year so you know i'm just licking my wounds just trying to keep hope alive it's so interesting because i've been watching a lot of different things on the nfl network and i watched something today and one of these experts well proven nfl experts said that a surprise mvp candidate i'm not going to mention names he believes that trey lance could Whoa. be a surprise mvp candidate this year trying to compare him to patrick mahomes sitting on the bench practically the whole year comes in at the end of the season plays a little bit of football showed a little glimpses of of fantastic form of throwing the ball. And then he says that this year is his come out year and Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be traded when he comes back from injury and all this other stuff. And he will be the guy. So what are your thoughts of Trey Lance, the little bit that you've seen of him? And do you think he's the Patrick Mahomes of this year? I don't like to be super hot takey, but for me, not only do I not think he is a legitimate MVP candidate this year, I'm not even convinced he's a good quarterback yet. (laughs) We've seen very, very little out of this kid over the past few years, played at a small school and then had an entire year off except for a showcase game (laughs) and then sat basically another entire season where we saw two games out of him, which both of those games were okay. Nothing in there screamed future savior of the San Francisco 49ers. <laughs> so I get it. You got to get ratings. You got to be able to put something out there to get people talking. And it worked. We're talking about it right mm-hmm. now. So they did their job, I guess. But at the same time, I can't even get close to there. I would be happy for him if he had a solid season and progressed from his rookie year. But I'm not currently expecting much more than that. When I heard that, I almost had a heart attack. I said, Trey Lance? I could see maybe Trevor Lawrence or maybe a Zach Wilson with some of the acquisitions the Jets made in the offseason. But even them, I didn't think that they're ready That's for that bold. next step. But to pick Trey Lance out of all of them, when Debo Samuels don't even want to be there, come on. It's absolutely ridiculous. I think it just shows Garrett's point more. This is a dead time for the NFL, especially NFL Network people might be running out of different takes to have. They probably went over different MVP ones already, so now they went for the super bold ones. But I could understand why he said that. But even David Carr. David Carr thinks that the Jets could be a partial playoff team this year. He thinks that Zach Wilson and has a fantastic arm. He's great inside and out of the pocket. Some of the 
moves the Jets made in the offseason and adding two really good tight ends and then drafting a wide receiver, Garrett Wilson and Brees Hall, you would think that that was going to be. But it's still early to even make those thoughts be heard. Wait until OTAs over. Wait until we see a couple of preseason games. And even then, you don't know if that's true. Am I right or wrong, Garrett? No, you're absolutely right. David Carr has a better shot of his brother being an MVP <laughs> candidate than we do Trey Lance. Yeah, I'm with you. I think he did say that like two years ago. Did he? He said his brother was a dark horse MVP candidate. And he, was he was right about that. His brother's been sensational. He's been a better quarterback than him, that's oh, yeah. for sure. And David had bad luck. He went to the Yeah, it was a raw deal. Right. Yeah. Expansion Texans. And then he really got hurt. Health, and then yeah. he was a backup the rest of his career with the Giants. Pretty right. good backup. He barely played. He barely played. He played. Eli Manning's yeah. Iron Man. Yeah, so. he played right behind arguably one of the best best quarterbacks to ever play for the Giants. He was the best quarterback to ever play for the Giants. And he had the second active in terms of games played straight behind Brett Favre. As everybody knows, we are talking to Dynasty Nerds writer and podcaster Garrett Price. Garrett, you look at the draft and everybody keeps saying that the Giants and the Jets won the draft. Bringing in a guy like Sauce Gardner, who I thought was one of the best players in this year's draft. Adding Garrett Wilson and then moving all the way back into the first round and adding a pass rusher like Johnson. Who do you think, out of all the teams Everybody has thought the Giants, the Jets, the Baltimore Ravens, Philadelphia Eagles trading for A.J. Brown and adding a pass rusher, a defensive tackle, a beast of a man, Jordan Davis. Who did you think won this year's draft? Yeah, I hate to be cliche, but I was on board with the Jets winning the draft. Sauce Gardner, really rangy, long player, able to snatch him up, really solidify that secondary. Garrett Wilson, who was my top receiver in the class, he ended up being the second receiver taken off the board. Guy that can do a little bit of everything. I love seeing guys that have pedigree. He was the number one receiver coming out of high school in his class. Carried that all the way through Ohio State. And we know Ohio State's been putting out really solid receivers year after year after year. They're really starting to get a reputation for that. And then Brees Hall's the number one running back in the class. So you arguably got the top player at three different positions in your draft. So anytime you can do something like that, I think that automatically catapults you up towards the top. It's interesting that you mentioned the Eagles. I think the Eagles are another really interesting one. If you count AJ Brown as a draft pick, I don't think that there's any receiver that this point in the draft that I would take over A.J. Brown as far as just a pure talent and ability standpoint goes. And Jordan Davis, as much as that defensive line has been solid forever, a lot of those guys on that defensive front are in their late 20s and early 30s. Fletcher Cox, Graham is up there. Like They needed to revitalize that defensive line. And you add somebody that 340, 350, whatever that dude is, Mm -hmm. Jordan Davis is a monster, Mm -hmm. but yet still ran one of the best times out of all the defensive linemen. He's a freak of nature. So those were my top two teams coming out of the draft. How about Dean? Getting Dean in the third round, that was yeah. a sensational move, too. I mean, I, I couldn't believe that he fell that far. I get <laughs> that there's crazy. injury concerns, but it could end up being a lot like JOK was for the Cleveland Browns last mm-hmm. year, where just falls down because of injury is just a great value. He was the guy I wanted the Giants to take in the first round before I knew about his injury when right. they took an Arias Tony. So it's funny you mentioned that. So you like Garrett Wilson as the number one receiver. We look at from a fantasy perspective, Justin Jefferson having that insane rookie year and Jamar Chase rookie year last year. The draft stock, is that going to raise it? more you think for some of these other top receivers especially with the opportunity that a lot of these guys will have the Saints with Olave, Atlanta with Drake London like the target share do you think that kind of thing could happen again or should they be aware of that I think we've been spoiled 
I think we've been really spoiled these past two years from a fantasy football perspective because before that, we weren't really seeing first-year receivers blossom quite to this extent. Every once in a while, you'd have a guy, Michael Thomas had a breakout year his first season. Before that, and the next soonest was OBJ with the Giants, but even that was a little bit shortened due to injury. We get one of these every three, four, five years, and we've been spoiled having him back-to-back seasons with Chase and Jefferson. As much as I think Wilson's a stud, Drake London's a stud, even Jameson Williams. Williams. I know it's not as pretty of a landing spot in Detroit. There's a lot of talented receivers, but I would be very surprised if we had another receiver go out there and put up 1,400 yards and 14 touchdowns. If there was anybody that could do it this year, it would probably be Drake just simply on the opportunity. But I don't know that the quarterback play is going to be good enough to get him to that level with Marcus Mariota, maybe eventually Desmond Ritter. I think a lot of these receivers could have good years, but I don't know that we're going to have anybody that is in the top 12 for fantasy football wide receivers this season. We are talking to Dynasty Nerds writer and podcaster Garrett Price. Kenny Pickett was the first quarterback off the board from the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think this was a great move by Pittsburgh. They had the opportunity to watch this kid all season long, play in their backyard, kept it very, very quiet throughout. Everybody thought it was going to be Malik Willis. He fell to Uh. the third round. I was very surprised about that. But Kenny Pickett, who is the more accurate quarterback, the best accurate quarterback in this year's draft class with size and ability, I think he's the perfect pick to take over for a Ben Roethlisberger. Maybe starts this year. Maybe he beats out Mitchell Trubisky. What were your thoughts when you heard that he was the first quarterback off the board? I agree with you. I do think he was a good pick. It was very surprising to me, though, because I thought the addition of Mitch Trubisky was the bridge guy. We see this happen often where teams will take a guy that fell off the wagon on another team or a guy looking for a second chance or a young gun or you know whatever it is but some bridge guy that you don't assume is going to be their long-term quarterback that's what I thought was happening with Mitch Trubisky but then they took the most pro ready quarterback in the class so that surprised me a little bit that they would have paid that much money to Mitch Trubisky and then go ahead and take the guy that was the most pro ready all of that being said I can't blame him though they doubled down they made sure that they had a quarterback this year whether it's Pickett or Trubisky, I think Pickett will end up winning this job. I think he's the more talented quarterback, but it's going to be interesting. It's going to be a dogfight, and sometimes just the knowledge and the ability to be able to withstand the NFL and be here for a while, and that's what we've had with Mitchell Trubisky, and he might just have the leg up on the knowledge standpoint, but it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out. Speaking of AFC North quarterbacks, I know you're a Browns guy. There's a lot of drama going on over there. Baker Mayfield hinting at he might even take a pay cut to leave the Browns, even if Deshaun Watson does end up getting suspended so what do you think the Browns will have to end up doing with that kind of situation as a Cleveland Browns fan for a little bit there it was kind of like what you see in most horror films the beginning of the movie is really fun and the family scream yeah it's the dream scenario and that's what we were having for a couple years there where we thought baker was our guy we're making the play we're beating the steelers in the playoffs we're like this is amazing and then all of a sudden you see something move and then something happens and the lights go out and that's what's happening with the browns now i should not be surprised this is what tends to happen in Cleveland. But for once, I was trying to not be a cynical Browns fan and hope that this was going to be good. And of course, the other shoe finally fell. And here we are. So yeah, it's a hot mess. It's a dumpster fire. The Browns gave up three years worth of draft capital to get Deshaun Watson and also locked him into the largest guaranteed contract we've ever seen. And we might not even get to see him play. It's a mess. I think you will. I I think a lot of these stories, I wouldn't say they're
they're false, but you watch the HBO special. His lawyer believes that a lot of these stories were brought together. A lot of these girls wanted to date him and wanted some kind of money from him. And I don't think that Deshaun Watson is a good guy. 66 women saying that he wanted a massage or something like that. It doesn't make any sense, especially when he's with a beautiful woman who I guess he's engaged with. I have no idea why he would want any of that stuff from any of these women. But again, Deshaun Watson is a pretty sick person. Can't get enough of whatever he's doing. But nevertheless, I think he's a talented quarterback. I don't think it's going to cost him any time off the field this year. I haven't heard anything that the NFL is going to suspend him. Roger Goodell has not come out and said that he's going to be sitting out six to eight games. So it seems like he's on pace to play this year. And is it a good sign for the Browns? I would say he's a better quarterback than Baker Mayfield. There's no question that he is. The question is, if Baker is willing to take less, who is going to take on a personality like that one and two if that team does take him is he going to go to a team that he fits best with where he can flourish as a quarterback that he did flourish with the Browns over the last couple of years because of the running game yeah I think there's three teams that come to mind as potential destinations for Baker Mayfield and I think one is more likely than the other two the first one is Atlanta they just brought in Marcus Mariota we know it's an experiment it's a fill-in for whoever their future quarterback is. So even though there's an opening, I think they're more or less in tank mode this year. They want to get one of those top five picks next year and really secure some of that top end talent. So I don't think that they're trying to win. And I think the acquisition of Baker would be an attempt to win. The next team would be, I think more likely would be the Carolina Panthers. Right now, their division is fairly open. You do have Tom Brady and and the Buccaneers for this season. But after that, you know, we thought he was going to retire. If that was the case, all of a sudden, Tampa doesn't look nearly as appealing. We just mentioned Atlanta. They're not looking too good. The Saints right now are kind of in this weird limbo where they think they're good, but I'm not sure that they are. (laughs) So I think that one makes sense to an extent, Mm -hmm. but they're already paying so much money to so many different quarterbacks that have been these retread guys. So I don't know that they want to go that route again. I think the one that makes the most sense would be the Seattle Seahawks. Mm. They have a strong running game. They had a quarterback very similar in his attributes to Russell Wilson, a shorter quarterback who doesn't have this perfect size, arm, all that kind of stuff, but has moxie, gets it done, can move around a little bit, but isn't necessarily a runner. So I think he would fit that mold. I think he would fit what they're doing there well. It's just a question of whether they're willing to bring him on and find out. So it's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out. What are the Browns' best cause of option if Baker, say, doesn't want to play for them? They don't have picks to trade, really, because they traded it all for Watson, but do they have to trade players at that point? Do they have to just try to roll with what they have because they brought in Jacoby Brissett as a backup? So what is like the best-case scenario, we say, if Baker Mayfield doesn't play? What do they do what's their next move for Andrew Barry I think he's stuck I think it's Jacoby Percet and he has starting experience he was a starter for a few years there in Indianapolis been a backup in New England and in Miami and he's been a few different spots I think they have to go that route but the hard part is this roster at least on paper is a playoff roster ready to go I mean you have Miles Garrett who's arguably the best edge rusher in football right now they just re-upped Denzel Ward got him a new deal very solid corner you have Nick Chubb one of the best pure runners in the game right now they just added Amari Cooper they have one of the best offensive lines in football on paper everything is ready to go 
but you need that quarterback. It's a quarterback driven league. I don't care how good your team is. If you have a subpar quarterback, you're hoping best case scenario is wild card one and done. So I think that's where they're at right now. And I think that's best case scenario with Jacoby Brissett. It's very, very interesting. As everybody knows, we are talking to Dynasty Nerds writer and podcaster Garrett Price. So Garrett, you're a fantasy expert. When you're looking towards this season and wide receivers and Hopkins is going to be out the first six games because of the steroid thing. I'm so surprised with that PED story. I don't think he needed it, but whatever. And Kyler Murray, who has a lot to prove, they are going to be the regular season hard knocks team to watch. It's going to be really fun to watch with Brown there, his best friend. What are your thoughts with the wide receiving core? Who do you think, as far as fantasy is concerned, who do you think are going to be the top three guys that you would draft in this year's draft? Also, the quarterbacks. Is Kyler Murray a big notch player to expect to be a high draft pick for quarterbacks in this year's fantasy draft. As far as the wide receivers go, there's a difference between your typical like one year redraft league and your dynasty league where you're stashing these guys for six, eight, ten years on your squad. But as far as redraft goes, just this season, I think you have to look at Justin Jefferson. He's done it back to back seasons now. The situation with Kirk Cousins is still the same, but it's a new offense that, if anything, might open it up a little bit more than we saw under Mike Zimmer. So I think Justin Jefferson has to be in the top three conversation. But after that, it gets really interesting because you have Tyree Kill, who would normally be in that conversation, but new team, new quarterback, Tua throwing Jalen in. Waddles there. <laughs> you have Devontae Adams who would normally be there, but also new team, new situation, all that. And then you have Jamar Chase, who fantastic rookie season. We've only seen it one year. Is it enough to boost him into that top three? And I think those are the three guys that are really going to be fighting for those last two spots. If it were me today, it would go Justin Jefferson, Devontae Adams, and then Jamar Chase. Those would be the top three for me. Tyreek Hill would be the one that would be left out of that equation right now. And how about Kyler Murray? What are your thoughts to him this year? The addition of Marquise Brown, when Hopkins comes back, you have a pretty good tandem on both sides. You have a great running game. You have a good offensive line, a great defense. He did not show up against the Rams in the playoffs. He got a huge amount of boos. And also, he defriended the Arizona Cardinals and some of the players on the team. And then he requested a $40 million boost of salary this offseason. Where do you see Kyler Murray this year? Year, especially telling Arizona that he wants a huge pay boost. I do think that things can still work. The NFL is much different today than it was 10 years ago. Mm. And we're seeing that, I think, trickle over from the NBA, where the players are starting to have a little more control of their brand, a little more control of their movement, a little more control over the league, in in essence. Kyler Murray is trying to make moves, trying to make power plays in order to get himself paid. Is he doing it the way I would do it? Probably not, but that's the attempt here. If he goes out and is still successful, people will forget about it tomorrow. The addition of Marquise Brown is great for him because he's what they always wanted Christian Kirk to be, this deep threat to take the top off the defense and for not being a big guy, Kyler Murray can sling it. He can get it downfield. And I think that that's the connection that they're hoping for. So I think it's going to work out. They still have Zach Ertz there at mm-hmm. tight end that they acquired midway through the year. Very, very solid serviceable. I get that he's older than he once was, but very serviceable. And then you even have a guy like Rondell Moore that they drafted last mm-hmm. year. It hasn't panned out yet, but fun gadget player that is probably going to help 
his quarterback more than he's going to be necessarily putting up a ton of numbers. And James Conner returned as well. So this offense is really primed and ready to go. I think Kyler Murray is going to be just fine. So what about from a contract perspective? Because he hasn't gotten the money yet. And then the same kind of thing with Lamar Jackson too. Mm -hmm. Two guys that have a lot of fantasy upside because of the rushing yards. Owners, should they be more reluctant to draft him higher as maybe that top three type quarterback? A lot of people are thinking it's Josh Allen and then it's a wild card at number two, number three after that because of the rushing ability of those guys. But should you be more careful because of the contract situation? I'm not overly worried. I know a lot of people aren't drafting for their seasons today. If it's a dynasty league that does play in a, a larger factor because these guys could end up on different teams, I do think Arizona and Kyler are going to get it figured out and I don't have any hesitations there. The Lamar situation is interesting because he represents himself, which doesn't happen often. And by all reports, Baltimore's already offered him a hefty sum and it looks like he's going to be going into this fifth year which normally things are resolved by year five for guys that are going to be staying with their team and there's a lot still left in the air part of it is at least on Lamar's front is he's saying he wants to focus on football doesn't want to focus on that I'm not sure how much I believe of that because guys always want to make sure that they're secure with their paychecks with their money it's a really interesting situation I do think that there's a world where Lamar somehow ends up on a different team is it likely I don't think so but I think it's more likely than Kyler Murray it makes a lot of sense Lamar Jackson deserves the money he was an MVP he's taken his team to the playoffs every single year the Baltimore Ravens are defensively sound especially with the draft that they had this year I think they throughout the whole draft they won just as much as anybody did added a center to that offensive line they added a safety probably the best safety we've seen in a very long time some people compare him to an Ed Reed prototype even in the later rounds they added tight ends and different defenses from the Michigan Wolverines so they added so many different pieces and got steals in every single part of the round. So I think Baltimore is going to be fine. Lamar Jackson, I think he deserves a little bit more credit than people give him. Is he Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Josh Allen right now? No, but you can win with him and he has proven that he can be an MVP candidate. Let's look through the league right now. You look at the defensive style of games that we have seen so far this offseason. Obviously, the Chargers adding a big-time pass rusher, Khalil Mack, and then adding J.C. Jackson from the New England Patriots and bringing that defense together. And then Justin Herbert, who had a sensational year last year in certain parts of the end of the season, he just didn't get it done against the Texans. He didn't show up in that game, and the whole team didn't show up in that game. But this team is the most complete team in the NFL, and I think you're a betting man. I would definitely put a little bit of money on the Chargers going to the Super Bowl and winning it all this year. What are your thoughts with the Chargers? What are your thoughts with some of the acquisitions they made? Do you think that this team is a contender this year with some of the acquisitions? they made in the offseason. Oh, absolutely. They're already a team with Bosa, Derwin James, Derwin James at yep. safety. They already had two premier players, so they added two more absolute studs on the defensive side. The offense was never the issue. They're scoring tons of points with Herbert, and then you have Allen over there, and Williams, and Austin Eckler in the backfield. They drafted in the third round. They took Isaiah Spiller, who I think is going to be the between-the-tackles guy they've been wanting to not have to run Austin Eckler out there on fourth and one on the one-yard line. They don't want Austin Eckler for that. They want somebody like an Isaiah Spiller. So I think they got a guy to fill that role finally. So you're absolutely right. When looking at a team from top to bottom, at least on paper, we'll see how it all gels and comes together once they get on the field. But on paper, they're just as good as any team. The interesting part is going to be that division is going to be 
nuts. We already have Kansas City, who's been the class of the division for a few years now. You have the Las Vegas Raiders, mm-hmm. who said, all right, we're going to upgrade upgraded their secondary. They added Devontae Adams. And then Denver said, we've had a good team this whole time. We just can't find a freaking quarterback. So we're going to go get Russell Wilson. You look at this division, you could make a legitimate argument for any one of those teams winning to the division, and it would be a legitimate argument. Now, I think there are some that are easier to argue for than others. Of course. But all four teams are solid, and all four teams are going to put up points. We're talking about the chaos of the offseason just in general. Do you think this kind of thing could be a new norm where you see all these big swings because of what you were saying, like it's being a little more of a player-run league? Absolutely. We saw Devontae Adams kind of make his feelings known. We we saw that happen with Tyreek Hill as well, where he kind of said, look, you're going to either pay me a lot of this money that I want, or you're going to trade me we've seen a lot of players start to sit out if they're not getting what they want whether that is training camp or preseason and some of them we've even seen it in regular season games we saw that a couple years ago with Le'Veon Bell now it didn't pan out for him but we've seen different players do stuff like this so it is becoming much more normal and I think a lot of players are going to see what happened this offseason and say, well, Devontae Adams got to go where he wanted the entire time. Tyreek Hill, he wanted to go to South Beach. That's where he's been wanting to go. I don't want to be here. I don't want to be in Houston. I don't want to be in Cleveland, probably. I don't want to be wherever it is. Like, I would rather be playing here. So you're either going to pay me more than I'm worth, or I'm going to go take my services somewhere else. We are talking to Dynasty Nerds writer and podcaster Gary Price, like we were talking about with the Los Angeles Chargers. Los Angeles, yes. Yes. The third team of LA. Yes. But here's another team in the same vicinity, the Los Angeles Rams. This offseason, they lost Von Miller, by the way, Buffalo, overpaying a guy that he's sensational. He's a great pass rusher still. I think he had nine. Nine sacks in the playoffs. He had three and a half sacks. Fantastic. He was a big part of why they won, especially defensively in that fourth quarter. No question. But what Buffalo gave him was ridiculous. But they upgraded. I think they upgraded the position. They brought in Bobby Wagner, who is so very underrated at the position. He's been one of the best linebackers in the league this year, and people forgot about him. And they didn't pay him that much, and they bring in a talented player like that. They re-signed and gave an extension to Aaron Donald, who is the highest paid player besides a quarterback in the NFL history. $40 million a year. They gave Cooper Cup, $80 million. So what do you think of this Rams team? Could they repeat with some of the acquisitions they made in the offseason, some of the players that they lost? And even there's still a chance they could still bring in Odell Beckham after bringing in Allen Robinson, which is crazy to say. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I think there's a real chance that this team could be the first repeat that we've seen in a while. It doesn't happen very often, but they've got a great head coach in place. They've got two of the best defensive players in football, Aaron Donald, who is the best, Jalen Ramsey, who is an excellent, excellent corner on the outside. I mean, you can make an argument for both of those guys being top 10 players overall, not just on the defensive side of the football, just overall in football. Both really talented guys. I think it still all comes down to Matthew Stafford. Is Matthew Stafford able to do what he did in the playoffs? be efficient enough, not make some of the mistakes. If he can do that, they have just as good of a shot as anybody else. They're bringing back Cam Akers, who last year missed most of the season with that Achilles tear, incredibly came back and played, which was shocking. But he didn't look like quite his old self. If he does get back to his old self, now you add a much more dynamic running game into the mix. It could be really interesting. Both for a dynasty and a redraft perspective, one guy that you have as a sleeper this year and one guy that you think could be a bust this year. For redraft, one guy that I think could be an absolute steal this year is Cole Komet. Cole Komet for the Chicago Bears. You look at that offense, it's Darnell Mooney and it's Cole Komet. 
There are no other pass catchers that are established there at all. And even the guys that they brought in, Bayless Jones, they brought in in the third round. Most people didn't think he was going to be taken until the fifth or sixth round. Then you had guys like Ecunemia St. Brown and Byron Pringle that are there. Like none of these guys are established stars. And the big thorn in his side forever was Jimmy Graham. And Jimmy Graham is no longer there. Justin Fields in his second year now. I feel so bad for that kid, by the way. They did him no favors. No. The coach that they brought in and not giving him the wide receiving help that they should have absolutely did. I feel so bad for that kid. Yep, but I think the beneficiary is going to be Cole Komet. I think he was already eighth in football last year in targets and the top seven guys in targets last year were the top seven fantasy football producers. Cole Komet at eight was at 19th for fantasy football points. So that's an anomaly. Things are going to happen. It was literally because they couldn't get the ball in the end zone. He had zero touchdowns on the year. So that's going to change. I think he's an absolute steal this year. Somebody that I think is going to be a bust. It's funny because I literally just mentioned this guy, but I've never been a huge Cam Akers guy. I've never been a huge fan of his game. I think he's a good athlete, but I think he leaves a lot to be desired on the technical aspects of being a running back and add in the Achilles injury on top of it. I hear him going ahead of some guys that I really like, and I think he's just being a little overdrafted. As everybody knows, we are talking to Dynasty Nerds writer and podcaster Garrett Price. The Saints, and I think they're loaded. Offensively, this is probably the best wide receiving core we've seen in a very long time. We've heard stories that Drew Brees might be thinking about coming back for another year. I know he slided it in on his Twitter that he might be interested. He's unsure after getting fired from NBC. Not surprised it didn't work out for him over there at NBC. By the way, the contract that Tom Brady got was is just outrageously crazy. I'll give Tom Brady a lot of credit. Even if he doesn't even know how to be a broadcaster, to squeeze $350 million from Fox, I give him a lot of credit. It's an incredible thing for him. He's going to make more money doing that than he ever did playing football, so that's crazy to say that. But back to the Saints. They added a wide receiver in a draft. Michael Thomas is coming back. Alvin Kamara is there. Jarvis Landry. Landry. Jarvis Landry, Mm -hmm. too, going back home. Let's say Drew Brees doesn't come back. I really believe there's a good chance that maybe not in the beginning of the season, I could see Drew Brees coming back. But if it's Hill or Winston, is this team good enough with those two quarterbacks, with the weapons they have, to make the playoffs? I think they could make the playoffs, especially because we mentioned earlier their division outside of Tampa Bay isn't the strongest division. The NFC, a lot of these top quarterbacks are all in the AFC right now. I think the AFC is just going to be a a knockdown drag out. But the NFC is going to be a much easier path. So while I think they can make the playoffs, a lot of it really does come down to Jameis Winston. They did choose to bring him back. He's going to be the starter this year by all reports ports at this point we've seen flashes from Jameis in fact the beginning of last year he actually played pretty solidly at the beginning of the year can he limit the mistakes and still make the big plays Mm. so I think a lot of it revolves around him but there's still question marks on Chris Olave as much as I think he's a very talented player Mm -hmm. he's a rookie we'll have to see how that plays out Michael Thomas hasn't played football in forever Ever. And he was never a guy that was winning on athleticism anyway. You lower his athletic ability with all of these injuries and now age on top of it. Will he be able to come back and be the guy he once was? I don't know. And I love Juice Landry. As a Browns fan, love Landry. He changed the culture of Cleveland. But at the same time, he's not a spring chicken anymore. So there's a lot of potential there. But will it all come together at the right time? And that's the question. And you have a brand new head coach in Dennis Allen who he's been with the team forever. And he's a great defensive mind. Can he bring it all together on both sides of football? That's what we're going to have to wait and see. I think they can make the playoffs. I don't think they last long. I know you're a big Ohio State fan. CJ Stroud, big expectations for him this year. So what 
do you think is his ceiling? And what are the odds you think he surpasses Bryce Young as what is thought of as that number one quarterback? So the thing CJ Stroud has over Bryce Young at this point is the more prototypical size. Bryce Young for all of his ability, which is incredible. He's 5'10". He's Kyler Murray. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about the small, undersized quarterback. So that's the perk that C.J. Stroud has ahead of him. Both play in good divisions. One plays in the SEC, one plays in the Big Ten. So you don't have any knocks there. I think Bryce Young is a little bit better of a passer at this point. Arm strength, he's got him by a little bit too. But it wouldn't shock me if C.J. Stroud is able to string together really solid games and then be able to perform big when the pressure is on, which last year he did fantastic with. You saw him be able to put the ball just on the money so often. I think it's going to be really close when it all is said and done. I still think Bryce Young will be the guy that goes ahead of him, but it's going to be a dogfight. Well, we really appreciate you joining us again. We want to get you on soon again. You're awesome. And you give us so much information. Garrett, tell the fans how they can find you on social media. Absolutely. You can find me at Dynasty Price on Twitter. Following me anywhere else would be a waste of time on the Dynasty Nerds podcast. Always got good things going on. Always talking fantasy football. Well, we got to follow each other because we got to interact. I do it. My Twitter, I'm almost at 4,000 people, but everybody tells me I'm following you, but you don't post anything. You so just post once a month. I post all the followers. I have to start posting because people keep complaining. Why am I following you if you're not going to post? But they're all sports fans and they're interested interested to see and hear the crazy stuff as much as they hear it on this show, the crazy stuff that I could say on social media. But if there's any way you can get a hold of me is on Twitter, because that's the only thing I really look at. So we there really, we go. Let's connect. We really appreciate you as always. And we'll get you on soon. Thank you, Garrett. Thank you guys for having me. The great Garrett Price. Fantastic. His great takes. Unbelievable. He's absolutely right about Deshaun Watson. It's just been absolutely crazy. 60 counts. Now, I think these stories are a little bull if you ask me, but go check out the HBO special. His lawyer says he has nothing to worry about. They seem pretty confident about some of the things that they got on these women in text messages. So we'll see what happens when we come back. Speedy, what do we got? Crunch time! Here on the Weekend Crunch. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. As you know, this is the Weekend Crunch. I'm your host, Errol Marks, my co-host, Speedy PD. Remember, you can listen to our show every single Saturday from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. New York Eastern Time. Only on 103.9, the LI News Radio Network, brought to you by New York Sports Team Magazine and the World Wide Sports Radio Network. Download the World Wide Sports Radio app by going to iOS, WWSRN, or Android World Wide Sports Radio Network. Great show. Thank you to Garrett Price. He was fantastic. Thank you to Chaz and his boys. Uh, for giving us the Moneyline Mania this week. And as everybody knows, we call this segment Crunch Time. It's time for Crunch Time. All right, we'll start with the New York Rangers. If they win tonight, buy or sell, they will win Game 7. Well, I've been picking the Rangers to win this series since the beginning, really since Game number 2. I did have Tampa in the beginning. I changed it to the Rangers after game number two. So I'm going to go with it. I do believe if the Rangers win game six, they will knock off the Tampa Bay Lightning in game seven at home. I'm going to buy it as well. I don't think they're going to win game six, but if they do, I think they're very battle-tested. Tampa in game sevens has been kind of even, not really the same level of battle-tested team you would think for a two-time Stanley Cup champion. They've actually been, I think, under 500 in game seven. So I like the Rangers the way they've come back and the way they've been battle-tested. So I don't think they win game six, but if they do, I think they win and go to the Stanley Cup. Aaron Judge will have 30-plus home runs by the All-Star break. He needs I, eight. I absolutely believe it. I mean, he has 22 home runs. I mean, 
He has been hitting by a clip, and I do believe he will have over 30 home runs before the All-Star break, which is in July. I'm going to buy it. I'm going to sell it. I think he's going to hit a little bit of a slump just where he not necessarily not necessarily hits badly, but he walks a lot. The Yankees, I think the, the, the teams will intentionally walk him a lot more often, pitch around him. So I don't know if he'll get eight within the next month, but I think he'll, get, he'll still lead the league, and I think he'll get 27, 28 by the end of the All-Star break, but not 30. I will sell it. Buy or sell. The NBA Finals will go seven games. I'm going to buy it. I think both teams have been back and forth. I think defense always beats a good offense, but I think this offensive team with Steph Curry has been just absolutely unbelievable. So Steph Curry's been on, so I do believe it'll go up seven games, so I will buy it. I'm going to buy it too. I did, I picked Warriors in six initially. Now I'm going to kind of favor more Warriors in seven just because I don't think they're going to win three in a row. I think eventually you're just going to see the home teams kind of switch off at this point. The Celtics won game one in Golden State, but I don't think you're going to see any other uh, road wins from here on out. I think it'll be all home, 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 and the Warriors win in seven, so I will Buy it. Deshaun Watson will be suspended 10 games or more. I'm going to sell that. I don't think he's going to be suspended for 10 games like everybody thinks. I, I think he will be suspended. I don't know how many games, but under 10. So I'm going to sell it. I'm going to buy it. I think the more charges being brought out, this new story with the Texans. Ownership, too, now getting involved and facilitating that kind of thing. They can see the charges dropped on them. 66 counts now of these massage appointments. I think more information will come out. So I do think it'll come to the point where it will be 10 games and could be a little more. So I am actually going to buy that one. The Bruins. We'll trade David Pasternak in the offseason. I'm going to buy it, okay? Because I, I think the Bruins now, they fire their head coach. I think they're going to they're gonna be looking towards transition and changing this team, so I'm going to buy it. I'm going to buy it, too. Patrice Bergeron also potentially could retire. He's a free agent. Will the Bruins bring him back? He wanted to play for Bruce Cassidy, and he, that was a big reason he wanted to be traded initially. He got frustrated with the organization. He also had some rumors last year. They might have traded him when they weren't contending, so I absolutely am going to buy that. All right, buy or sell. Somebody other than Steph Curry or Jalen Brown will win finals MVP. I'm going to sell that. I don't believe that's going to happen. I Maybe Tatum. Maybe Tatum if the Celtics win, uh, if he has one of these unbelievable two, three games. Remember, because we've seen LeBron James he, he and, and, and Shaquille O'Neal, the last three games of the series, just absolutely take over, and they became the MVP. So Tatum maybe, but I'm going to sell it. I'm going to sell it, too. I think Steph Curry definitely is the lock for the Warriors because just nobody else has been consistent. And for the Celtics, Jalen Brown's been the best two-way basketball player. He had a rough game one, but beyond that, has played fantastic. Defensively shutting down a lot of these wing players that have done well for Golden State. His value has been immense, so I am going to sell it as well. Well, buy or sell, Pete Alonzo will lead the National League in RBIs into July. I'm going to sell that. There are other players that have played very, very well. I don't think he will be leading the National League by then, so I'm going to sell it. Yeah, I'm going to sell it, too. I think the injury is definitely going to make him cautious in the at-bats. He might have some home runs here and there, but I think they're going to be more careful with him, so I am going to sell that. All right, last one. Colin Kaepernick will make the Raiders roster at the end of training camp. <laughs> I'm going to sell it. I don't think Vegas is going to want to deal with the press problem that he's going to bring. So I'm going to sell it because of that. Yeah, I'm going to sell it too. I think the system as a whole, Josh McDaniels, what he's going to want to bring. The Raiders, yeah, they've done to extreme scenarios in the past, but it could end up being tricky for the way he is being older, 33 years old now. The fact that they invited him says a lot about yeah, what the Raiders I think it's a start to the process for him to maybe make it back, but I just think... Start? He's 33 years old. Well, I know that. That's why I'm saying a lot of the odds are against him just because he wanted was a mobile quarterback 
too. I just don't know how much of a system fit he really is over there. Josh McDaniels, I don't know if he's going to create like the Patriots 2.0 type thing because we've seen that fail in other places, but I just think the way his offense runs, I don't know if he really is the ideal fit. So I think it's just a start for Kaepernick, but I do not think he makes the roster either. I will sell it. That was crunch time. I'd like to thank all the fans that listen to us every single week. We're happy to be back. We had a good vacation as me and Speedy are back for good. Thank you to Garrett Price for joining us, Dynasty Nerds writer and podcaster. Go check him out on Twitter. Fantastic. He knows his stuff. Chaz and the crew, uh, Moneyline Mania. As everybody knows, Chaz is 8-0 last week when we weren't doing the show. Wes has been dead on with CFL. Check out uh, their betting lines. They're fantastic. The best handicappers we've had on our network and I believe the best handicappers in the country. So definitely check them out. We'll be back next week on Saturday with new guests and new content. Until then, this is Errol Marks and Speedy Beatty saying goodnight and we'll talk to you then.